LinkedIn presents. Welcome to a very special episode of Redefining Work Reports. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt, and you may have seen some of the updates that I've shared over the last couple of months about joining AISA's School of Founders as a guest lecturer. And last week, I was in Barcelona having an incredible time on campus and connecting with their class of founders, walking them through how to think about building modern HR and people teams for growth and how to think about building the HR operating system and infrastructure that you can scale upon. And it's a topic that I'm passionate about. It's a project that I've been working on for a while and I've had a lot of help and I'll talk about that in a moment. But as I started building the deck for the workshop for AISA, I began thinking more about really how I might be able to broaden the impact and scale of the lecture itself and the resources itself. And so that ultimately grew into a massive 75-page Founders Playbook on Building Modern HR and People Teams for Growth. And that's now available. And so I want to spend this special episode of Redefining Work Reports walking you through the playbook itself, letting you know how to get your hands on it. As listeners, you are getting first access. Uh, If you are listening to this podcast on the day it came out, you can actually visit and review the full playbook yourself. You can download it, you can share it, you can consume it. The intent behind the playbook uh, was really twofold. I wanted to create a resource specifically oriented towards founders to help them understand what modern HR and people operations looks like today, how it functions, how it impacts the business, how it ultimately is a growth catalyst for business, not just a people program or HR function for founders that, you know, maybe haven't worked with high impact people teams before. I wanted them to really understand what they should be expecting from this function today. And I wanted to include case studies. I wanted to include practitioner spotlights. I wanted it to be very tangible and real, really borrowing some of the principles when I wrote Redefining HR in 2021, it was really important for me to make sure that there were a lot of, you know, case studies and practitioner spotlights and things in there that really brought the concepts to life in a tangible way. It wasn't just a theoretical book. And I I took that same approach to this founder's playbook. Um, And so I want to spend a little bit of time kind of walking you through the playbook, how to use it, how to leverage it. And also really reinforcing that this is something that is, uh, you know, yes, I built it and I open sourced it, but I didn't do it alone. I had a lot of help. And uh, it was really important for me to open the playbook with an acknowledgement and credit section around some of just the incredible leaders who contributed their expertise, their perspectives, um, and also their case studies, you know, the proven work um, inside of this playbook, because I think that's really what brings this to life um, and makes it tangible and real for founders. Um, But the other audience that this is really for is the HR community and HR leaders and CPOs specifically. 
I want you to have something that if you are working with a new organization, perhaps new founders, and again, maybe they haven't experienced the progressive side of HR before, I, I want you to have an easy reference guide that you can actually present to them and be like, this is how I roll. This is how the teams that I build will work and will impact your business. Um, this is what is important to me as a progressive HR leader. And so really the, the aim of the playbook and the reason I wanted to open source it was to really be able to be a valuable resource for both founders uh, of starter startups and scale-ups, um, but also chief people officers and heads of people who want to help educate their teams, their leaders, their peers around the kind of HR that they practice. So with that, I want to kind of jump in and just give you an overview of how the playbook is designed. Um, I open with an introduction. That's me. I don't need to talk about that here on this podcast. Um, but then there are eight kind of core chapters um, throughout the playbook. They range from culture and values, optimized recruiting, building for scale, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, employee experience, building a high-performing team, hiring your head of people, and HR tech stack. There's also an addendum on the back end of the playbook uh, with a collection of highly curated resources. So, um, you know, you will always run out of space anytime you're building really any piece of content, certainly an open source guide. And so what I wanted to do is, you know, there's a certain level of depth that I had to kind of constrain myself to in each of the chapters but I wanted to include some additional resources for readers of the playbook where they could go deeper and expand their learning. And there's so many smart, really talented people who are covering these topics who are, you know, domain experts in different areas. And I'm not a domain expert in all of these areas. So it was important for me to elevate those voices and those perspectives and those resources to allow consumers of the playbook to go deeper on those particular topics. So that's really how the playbook itself was framed. And I want to just touch through some of the highlights um, from the playbook that I think are particularly valuable and interesting. And I'll kind of hit that in a chronological order for the playbook itself. And in opening, you know, culture and values is, for me, I think one of the most important determining factors of a success for a business, and especially something that founders should be thinking about at an early stage. Uh, and I opened with a really powerful and succinct uh, culture framework that Josh Burson uh, published in 2022. And it gets into some of the core kind of pillars of a cultural framework from growth mindset, purpose, communication, support, collaboration, appreciation, and well-being. And so I think it helps set the tone for how founders should be thinking about this work. Um, in that chapter, I also went through and really kind of created a contrasting view of understanding culture and understanding values. They are not the same, and you shouldn't be thinking about them in the same way. Uh, it was also another opportunity to call bullshit on the term culture fit, and I explain why. But I think it really is important to kind of, you know, have that framing of the difference between culture specifically, which is fluid and it evolves and it changes with every hire you make, and values, which should be more stable, consistent, and kind of guiding principles for your organization. Um, there's also a really valuable values alignment checklist 
that um, I was able to share with credit from The Gathering Effect. So they've done a lot of tremendous work uh, around kind of values alignment and uh, really kind of operationalizing those. There's some additional um, worksheets and templates in the addendum um, from them that also gives you more context, allows you to go deeper, but really helps you understand defining values, values clarity, values activation, and values reinforcement, which I think are key elements of really making values real and tangible and a guiding force for your business. Uh, this chapter also touches a bit on psychological safety. You know, I think most startups and scale-ups have a, a, a desire to be a den of innovation, right? <clears throat> They're solving new challenges. They're approaching new issues in different ways. But innovation doesn't just happen. You have to create an environment where that can thrive. And there's tons of data around the fact that that is deeply rooted in psychological safety. Um, and so I touch on that a bit in the chapter as well. And there's also some great case studies and practitioner perspectives. I love the case study in this chapter on celebrating failure at X that was contributed by AJ Thomas. They hold an event every year called Dia at X. And it's based on Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead. And it's a celebration of failure. They come together and they go all out on celebrating failed projects and things that did not work. And it creates, again, getting back to that psychological safety standpoint, it creates an environment where people are not afraid to fail. You know, they're going for moonshots at X. You're going to fail a lot more than you're going to succeed. And it's important that that is normalized and accepted to create an environment where you can hit those moonshots. And so this is a tremendous tradition. I loved, you know, the first time AJ told me about this, I was, you know, just blown away. And so, uh, you know, really getting into a bit more of that case study on celebrating failure. You know, the next chapter gets into what is really the make or break item for success, especially as an early stage startup or scale up which is optimized recruiting. And, you know, recruiting can be kind of a black box at times. You don't really know, like, is the stuff that we're doing, how do we benchmark? Uh, is it is it, you know, better than average, worse than average? Uh, are we doing things that are outdated? And so I really wanted to focus around those areas. And I opened with a bit of an overview of employer brand uh, to kind of share, you know, how and why that's important. Um, and then some interesting data from a 22 report on recruiting benchmarking from GEM. So it includes data around time to fill metrics, uh, open rates for different outreach and different types of functions and demographics. Um, their 22 time to hire metrics um, found an average of 39 days for tech, 20 days for non-tech. And again, this is based on GEM data. They are primarily working with startups and scale-ups. So, you know, this is not industry-wide. This is more focused in that domain. Uh, they also get into pass-through rates, which again, I think for founders, often something they don't have a lot of visibility into. Um, and so again, this pulls from their data set from the 2022 Recruiting Benchmarking Report. Um, that was over 12 million candidates just to kind of frame scope and size. Um, but on average in 2022, it took 74 applicants to make a hire. And that was actually down from 89 applicants in 2021. 2021 was, you know, very much kind of peak great resignation. 2022 saw, uh, obviously, uh, a lot of layoffs in tech. Hiring was less robust, so that makes sense. 
Um, but in terms of pass-through rates, again, going from 74 applications, that narrows down to eight initial screens, 2.7 on-site interviews, 1.2 offers extended, and one offer accepted. Um, I also wanted to break down really the key steps of designing an interview process from starting with clear requirements, really rethinking job descriptions, being very intentional about structuring your interviews, and then advocating for speed, you know, making the case that speed wins, especially in competitive hiring marketplaces. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to Seika Majur, who had a great article around recruiting metrics. She actually had a series on LinkedIn around recruiting metrics that matter. And I spotlight some of those as well with credit. There's also links to her work in the appendix as well that just help you understand what are some of the measures to determine if your recruiting is successful. Uh, the next chapter gets into building for scale. And there's a lot of great practitioner spotlights in this, but I was very intentional around opening with this slide. In As of April of 2023, there have been 185,673 layoffs in tech. And this is, uh, the source for this is layoffs.fyi. They've been tracking this for a couple of years now since the pandemic. Uh, and that already eclipses the mark of 164,511 tech layoffs in 2022. And I, I open with this because I want to really reinforce the lessons that hopefully we are learning through all these layoffs is that Growth for the sake of growth, you know, blitz scaling is not a viable strategy and it leaves a lot of carnage in its wake. And so as a founder, you've got to make sure you're balancing market opportunities with the risks of overhiring. And those are now well documented. You know, I also touch a bit on the concept of we hires versus me hires, especially in startups and scale ups, the, the velocity at which you're growing can be astronomical at times. And it's not uncommon for somebody to have two or three different jobs in a single year. And to unlock that, you've got to make sure that you've got managers who are on board with that. They can't be hoarding talent. They can't be blocking moves. And yes, as a manager, it sucks when you are spend a lot of effort in hiring somebody, training them, and then they're moving on to another role. That's difficult. I get it. But it's essential to really build a culture of mobility, a culture of growth. And in those startup environments, you have to have that. So again, we hires over me hires. Um, and also touch on some of the principles of scale for HR. Some of the things that you really have to focus on in order to build an HR infrastructure that is designed for scale. Um, and then the next chapter of the playbook gets into another very important topic, which is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And you know, I cover a, a range of items in here from, you know, avoiding diversity debt and avoiding leveling inequity, really understanding that representation matters, prioritizing pay equity early. You know, there's, this could have been its own playbook itself. This is such an important topic and I include more resources in the addendum. But the real point <coughs> I wanted to reinforce was that as a, especially an early stage startup, this is the most important time for you to focus on building a diverse and inclusive team. When you're able to do that at an early stage, that diversity, that representation compounds and it actually makes it much easier to scale. 
the challenge, especially in startups, a lot of organizations had in the past is, you know, you, you have a founding team, your first 20 hires are friends, former colleagues, uh, you know, fellow alumni from your school. You can find yourself pretty quickly at 20, 30, 40 people with a fairly homogenous uh, demographic. And it's much harder at that point to then begin bringing in more representative talent. You know, think about it. The interview process, if you're a person of color and you're going into an interview process and, you know, you're meeting with seven white men, is that a place that you think you're going to necessarily be able to do your best work in? Uh, I don't know. It may not be. And so, but if you're actually investing in this early and you're making sure that you have a diverse and representative team early, it's a much different situation. And so really trying to reinforce that point uh, and then even including some specific actionable steps that founders can do to actually, you know, make that put in the work to diversify their organization at an early stage. Uh, the next chapter gets into employee experience. And I hit that from a couple angles. Um, one was, you know, internal communications, a hugely important piece now, especially as more and more organizations are remote and distributed, um, how we commute, what we commute or communicate, where we communicate, all those things are essential. And so I cover those and include a case study as well from contributed by Kim Rohrer at Oyster, which is a fully distributed organization, obviously, around how they think about communication in that environment. Um, I also talk a bit about remote and hybrid employee experience. Again, I think for a lot of, especially startups and scale-ups, you know, you, the majority of those organizations these days are at least somewhat distributed, if not fully distributed. And so wanted to get into some of the considerations for optimizing remote and hybrid employee experience. And there's also a case study uh, on that topic contributed by Darren Murph at GitLab around a really smart, systemic approach they created around reinforcing rest at GitLab to ensure that their employees weren't burning out. And I think especially with unlimited PTO organizations, that's a real risk. And so a very smart prompt from them on how they address that. I also talk a bit about what I call the llama method for employee experience. Listen, learn, act, measure, and adjust. And I think this is really key. Employee experience is has to be built for and with your employees. It's not as something that, you know, HR or any function can just go away in a room and come back and be like, yep, here's your employee experience. You've got to make sure that you're, you have feedback loops. You have mechanisms to gather an understanding of the employee sentiment and the things they're looking for and they want so that you can build for that and measure and adjust. And then one of the other really important slides, particularly for founders, that I included in this chapter as well, is the connection between engagement and revenue. There's a lot of data around this, and I specifically cite a Gallup research that examined companies that were in the top quartile of employee engagement outperformed bottom quartile units in customer ratings, that was 10%, productivity, 21%, and profitability, 2022, that which was 2022% increase. Revenue drives engagement, and it's really important for businesses to understand that, and it's really important for us in HR to be able to articulate that. You know, McKinsey also had a report, actually, the state of organizations in came out in April of 23, and there was, I think, about a 3x profitability increase from 
companies with top tier employee engagement. So again, you would think this is common sense, but common sense isn't necessarily a business case. Now we have data in HR and we have to be able to make sure that we're helping our business understand the real impact that employee experience has, not just on retention, not just on morale, not just on engagement, but on the business's bottom line. Uh, the next chapter got into building a high-performing team. And what are the elements of that? And so I start with really kind of four ingredients of high-performing teams from setting clear expectations, providing regular feedback, <coughs> excuse me, providing regular feedback, um, growth and mobility, and transparency. And I get more into growth mindset as well, right? I think that that is a term we use all the time and it sounds great and it is great, but how do we actually do this? How do we actually create an environment that fosters a growth mindset in our employees? And I tackle that on a couple different angles from hiring to role model learning uh, and then getting back to that psychological safety piece, another key ingredient for building a growth mindset. Um, the next chapter is one that actually is probably one of the, the meteor chapters in the playbook, which is how to hire your head of people. And it was really important for me to open this chapter of the playbook with a general kind of zoom out framing of the field, uh, right? Uh, the field of HR has been through a lot over the last three years plus, and particularly at the leadership level, you know, the, the heads of people, the chief people officer, CHRO, whatever the title might be, um, they have been carrying a unique burden as we've navigated all of the flashpoints that we have over the last three years. And it's important that founders understand that environment that we've been operating in and the, you know, in some cases, the, the, the scars that we carry from that. And so I wanted to open with just kind of framing, hey, look, this is the state of the field right now. This is where we are. You know, experienced and senior leaders are stepping out. They're moving into consulting. They're moving into coaching. They're taking sabbaticals. Um, more, you know, quote unquote, junior, you know, still very talented, but people who are moving into those roles as more of a stretch assignment, you're seeing that more common. Um, more companies are investing in ahead of people earlier, which is great but it also increases the competition faced for talent. And so that's just a reality that you're operating under as a founder hiring your head of people. Um, from there, I get into some of the, uh, what I view as impact drivers for modern chief people officers. I also cover really kind of what are some of the motivations and drivers for CPOs today? You know, if you're hiring a CPO, these are the things they value. Business impact, right? They don't view themselves as HR people necessarily, HR leaders necessarily. They're business leaders. They're impacting the business through people, but don't put them in just an HR box. They actually can provide a lot of value outside of what is traditionally considered as core HR. Values alignment, another essential piece. Uh, autonomy, right? Um, people want that ability to come in and make the impact and really own that function. And trust as well. You know, especially as a founder, your head of people is also, in a lot of ways, your coach, your advisor, and your truth teller. Their job is to tell you things that you don't want to hear at times. And you need to understand that. And if you want to really maximize that relationship and the value they're going to bring to your business and you as an individual and as a leader, you've got to create an environment of trust where they can do that and you can listen and you can hear and you can actually um, you know, act on that feedback they're sharing with you. 
I also share a couple tips for founders on hiring their head of people. And that ranges from the interview process to transparency and openness, um, <coughs> reporting structure and compensation, and also both pre-boarding and onboarding. And then lastly in that section, I share some interview questions to consider. So if you're hiring, you know, these would be some questions that can help you illuminate, engage, alignment uh, with your role and alignment with your values. And then lastly, I share some people team metrics that particularly startups and scale-ups um, might want to assess around, um, you know, broken into kind of top-line organizational metrics, uh, attracting, hiring, and onboarding metrics, and then building a talent magnet, right? If you want to build an organization that really attracts and retains talent, these are some of the metrics that uh, will help you gauge how healthy your business is in that sense. And then the last core chapter is optimizing your HR tech stack. So I opened with some great data from George LaRock in his 2022 Global Work Tech VC report. Uh, and it, you know, illuminates the amount of VC funding in work tech specifically since Q1 of 2020. And we have seen some record years. 22 include the year 2022 included 405 deals with over $12 billion invested in work tech. And I wanted to open with that to just give founders the sense of the size and scope of this industry today and the complexity of this industry. There are so many options. There are so many tools. Um, and then from there, I really wanted to just kind of, you know, separate those tools, segment them, if you will, into core HR tech stack and a level up tech stack. And really, what are the tools you need at each stage, right? If you are a 50-person startup, you're probably not going to have a CRM. That's okay. You're not really going to need one. You're not going to have an LMS necessarily at that stage. But you should have you know, some level of an ATS, some level of an HRIS. And so the, the core and level up tech stack just breaks down um, you know, what you need at different stages. Um, and then to close it out, again, the resource section, there's three pages of a collection of highly curated resources and tools and templates uh, related to each of the topics in the HR playbook that allow you to go deeper and get more context or even specific templates that you can download. And that is the Founders Playbook. And I'm really excited that to, this is now going to be available for anyone to view, to download freely, to share. Um, I've created a uh, microsite for the playbook as well where you can download it. You can find that at amplifytalent.com slash founders dash HR dash playbook founders with an S. So you can view the full report there online, or there's an easy link to download the PDF. Um, and again, this is an open source project. So uh, if you find this valuable, share it. There's no friction. There's not even an email paywall to access it. I wanted to make this as frictionless as possible so that anybody who could benefit from some of the different sections, the resources, the concepts can do so freely. So, with that, I'm really excited to get this out. Thanks again to all of the contributors, all of the friends who've weighed in and added their context, added their data, added their case studies, added their perspectives. Uh, all of you are really what brought this guide to life, and I'm grateful for all of your contributions. And if you find this resource helpful, all I ask is that you share it. I want to make this uh, available far and wide to really help 
both the founder community and the HR community really have a map of what great HR and people operations can look like in startups and scale-ups. So with that, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Again, you can check out the full playbook and download it yourself in the show notes of this episode or on the link I just referenced. And in the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I will see you back for the regular scheduled podcast next Monday. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Redefining Work. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, and more, be sure to check out amplifytalent.com slash podcast. And if you dig this podcast, I strongly encourage you to share it with your CEO, leadership team, and friends to help others discover it. And if you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on Spotify or Apple or wherever your preferred podcast delivery vehicle is. We'll see you next episode.